Hey, I want to welcome everyone who's joining us in Greenfield and everyone who's joining us at Oak Creek and those who are tuning in online. Hey, wherever you're at today, thank you so much for spending uh, part of your day here with us. As we said earlier, we are smack dab in the middle of the Christmas season, like all of the Thanksgiving turkey that's been eaten or hopefully thrown away by now, you know, and uh, all of our Christmas trees, we're starting to put those up, decorate them, decorations all throughout town. Uh, we're watching some Christmas movies, listening to Christmas music. Uh, we're even buying some uh, gifts and wrapping them up and throwing them under the tree, which means if, if you're like me and if you have a small child at your home, we're just a few weeks away from the dreaded phrase, some assembly required. So go ahead and start getting those tools uh, ready for that. But, but it's Christmas time, and it really is one of the most wonderful times of year. And, and I think the reason why it's so wonderful for us, at least one of the reasons why, is uh, there's a truth about the Christmas season that we uh, talk a lot about here, and that is there's something about the Christmas season that just magnifies what's going on uh, the rest of the year. Meaning, if we've had good happen this year, this holiday season, it tends to magnify that. Like if we moved into a new house or a new place, we're looking forward to move, you know, to celebrating our first Christmas time in that new place. Or if you got a, a new spouse or if you uh, have a new child in your home, you're looking forward to the fact like this is going to be our first Christmas together. We're going to celebrate that. It's going to be great. Others of us, maybe we got a new job or, or maybe a promotion. And this time of year, it magnifies that because we're like, okay, now maybe I get to like provide the type of Christmas that I've been wanting to give to my loved ones for quite some time. The holiday season just magnifies that. But most of us have also experienced the other side of, of, of this truth, meaning that the holiday season, it can magnify the things that have not been so good this year. Some of us, we, we might have lost a loved one this year. And as we kind of head into the season, um, our mind is just beginning to be flooded with memories of them and maybe past Christmases with them. And we miss that person so much. In fact, part of us would be like, I would trade away anything just to be able to spend one more Christmas with them. Or others of us, we might have lost a spouse or we lost a marriage this year. And as we head into the season, uh, we see other couples and we see other families and we see how excited they are kind of heading into the season. And then uh, our pain, it's just getting magnified. We're wondering, hey, how, how's it going to be on Christmas Day? I'm going to feel more and more alone that that loneliness is going to be magnified. Or others of us, maybe we lost a job or maybe we're struggling to make ends meet and, and we've been just working really hard to kind of like connect the dots and, and be able to provide for ourselves and provide for our family. And that struggle just gets magnified this time of year because it's not just about uh, providing and making ends meet, but we're also wondering, how do I do that and then also provide gifts for the ones that I love? And, and, and that struggle gets magnified because of the Christmas time. And we would often probably say, like, this time feels anything but wonderful. And to be honest, uh, this has been my story for the last several years, and I didn't realize it. A couple years ago, a friend of mine came up to me, and he said, hey, Tyler, why are you the Grinch? And I'm like, that's an interesting way to start a conversation. Like, you know, I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, Tyler, it doesn't seem like you like Christmas. Like, it seems like you're kind of always complaining about this time of year, all the extra stress, all the added events, um, all the cold. And I'm like, well, you know, and I started talking to him, I'm like, it's not that I don't like Christmas. I like Christmas. 
I'm just not into it as much as other people. You know, I don't like, you know, all the movies and all that stuff. You know, like, I'm just not into it because, you know, I don't like all the added events. I don't like, you know, the cold. Definitely don't like the cold, you know. And, and so I'm just not into it as others. But I started thinking about more about what he said because I didn't want to be known as the Grinch. Like, I didn't want that to, like, be my rep. And so I started thinking about what, what was going on. And, and I realized that there was something that, that was brought up this time of year that is not brought up uh, throughout the rest of the year. And that is something I just think about more. And that is, I think, more about the pain of my past this time of year than any other year. And though I don't think about the, the pain of my past that much uh, the rest of the year, the reality is, is that pain is still there, and that pain is still impacting me, and it's impacting the relationships around me. Now, before I describe the pain of my past, I want to say this up front. And that is uh, my parents, uh, my biological parents and my step-parents, I know that they did everything they could to raise uh, myself and to raise my siblings in the best way that they knew how. Like, I know that they were absolutely committed to raising us in an environment that was one of the most loving environments that they could create. And I would say this about my parents. I would say that they got it right more often than they didn't get it right. But when you look at the pain of my past, the pain of my past starts very early on in my childhood when uh, my, my uh, two parents, my biological parents, uh, they got pregnant with me and they got married and they got divorced very early on in their lives. And it happened so quick that I try to look back in my life and I try to think about a memory of my two biological parents together with me and I don't have any of those memories. I, I, I don't have a single one. And so my childhood growing up, was going around from house to house, uh, just kind of going back and forth between my two parents, from one house to another house, from one parent to another parent, from one bedroom to another room, and in some cases, from one life to another life, depending on, on where I was at. And, and, and this just kind of became a way of life for me, for me and, and a couple of my siblings. And uh, uh, this caused some strain and some tension, as you can imagine, um, especially around uh, Christmas time. In fact, there was one time I remember, uh, it was a Christmas uh, season, I was in second grade, and I, I lived with my dad, my stepmom, and, and, and my siblings, and I went to the local elementary school in the town uh, that my dad lived, and uh, we get this uh, assignment that's, that's an innocent enough assignment for, for second graders. It's, hey, we want you to write letters to Santa Claus. And, and in these letters, write asking gifts that you want for yourself and then gifts you want to provide for, for, for your family. And so uh, I'm, I'm living with my dads then, so I, I write about myself, I write about my dad, my stepmom, and my siblings that lived in my dad's house. And so I, I turned that letter in, and because we, I, I grew up in a small town, uh, they actually took those letters and they gave them to the local newspaper, and the local newspaper published them. This was back when people would actually read newspapers. And, uh, and so uh, they, they would publish these, and this went into every house like in the area, and my mom lived in a town nearby, so she also got uh, uh, this newspaper. And so she uh, read uh, my, my letter and noticed, like, I included everyone in my dad's family, but I did not include her. And the next weekend was our weekend to visit there, and so I got there, and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're hanging out. I'm, I remember my mom asking me this, this question, and, and, and I was just a second grader then. She said, Tyler, hey, why, uh, why, why uh, did you not include me in this letter to Santa Claus? And, and being just, like, seven years old, you just kind of say the first thing that comes to your mind. And so I kind of remember saying this. I'm like, well, well, Mom, I was at Dad's house, and so I wrote about them. I forgot about you. And saying that, 
I could see the look on my mom's face. And I still remember, like, just her being visibly upset to hear her son say that he forgot about her. And I saw that, and I realized, oh, I have to pay attention to where I'm at. I have to remember things like that. Like, like uh, you know, I don't want to cause hurt like that anymore. So, in, you know, in the future, when I was writing other letters to Santa, I was reminding him where I was at. I was reminding him, you know, different, different families where I was going. Um, and, and I would just kind of continue to experience that strain and that tension kind of around Christmas time. And, and we would experience more of that growing up because then you'd have like, well, where are we going to spend the holidays? How long are we going to be there? Who are we going to be with? Because everyone wants to see everyone. I mean, rightfully so. And, and growing up, I kind of thought that tension was going to go away. Like, I'm like, you know, when I get married, when I have kids, you know, it'll, it'll all be fine. Everything will, will just seem to kind of go away because that's what time is supposed to do. And then I was uh, surprised that as I got older, that, that tension and that strain, it didn't go away. Because I moved out of the state, I got married, we have our own kids now, and, uh, and, and rightfully so, all of our families, they want to continue to see us, and they want to see our kids, and they want to be a part of their holidays, and so it leads to even greater stress and greater tension of, okay, where are we actually going to spend the holidays, who are we going to be with, how long is it going to be there, and it kind of just digs all of this past up over and over and over again. And you throw in the fact that I live out of state, and I also work at a church, and this time of year just kind of becomes you know, a busier time of year, and so my time is even more limited, and because of that, it just creates greater tension. It just stirs it all up, and, and the, the uh, season just kind of magnifies the pain of that past. Now, I know I'm not the only one that experiences that. In fact, most of us here, there's an event, or there's a memory, or there's something that, that happened a long time ago, and that pain, it just gets kind of stirred up around this time of year. Either it happened in a past Christmas, or we're reminded of that around the Christmas season. And, and, and we even have a term for these. We can call these, these ghosts of Christmas past. Uh, if you go back to the old uh, uh, classic uh, uh, of Christmas carol from uh, uh, Charles Dickens, and you have Ebenezer Scrooge, who's being visited by these ghosts of Christmas past, and they're reminding them uh, uh, of what happened in previous Christmases. We have our own ghosts of Christmas past. And these are these memories of these different events uh, that happen that, that cause this hurt or cause this pain. And so what we want to do is we want to go through this series together uh, called Ghosts of Christmas Past so that we can deal with these ghosts. Now, I want to give credit where credit is due. A couple of years ago, I was dealing with some things that we're going to talk about throughout the series. And I had some people in, in my life that I looked up to and respected who helped offer some insights into me. Um, and then I also heard this series from uh, Craig Rochelle, who's a pastor of, at Life Church. Um, and, and some of the insights shared there was just so helpful for me as I was dealing with these that I want to share some of these insights and hopefully will be helpful for us as we head into this Christmas season. Because here's what I want for us, both personally and as a pastor. And that is that we would not take this season that is intended to be so full of joy, where we celebrate God's greatest gift that he's given to us and his son, that we take this season and we fill it so full of painful memories and moments and events that we miss out on the purpose of this season altogether. And so we're going to go on a journey together, and I say we because this includes me, where we are going to take some time and we are going to deal with these ghosts so that this Christmas season can be so much more joyful together. 
And so my hope for us is that as we go through this, that we would experience uh, what Craig Rochelle says. And that is that we would actually use the pain of the past to allow us to move forward in the future. That we would deal with these ghosts and that we would ultimately find healing. Now, when it comes to these ghosts of Christmas past, there are generally two types of ghosts. The first is the pain that others have caused us. And this could have been some time ago. And then the second is the pain that we have caused others. Both of these are haunting. In fact, next week, we're going to spend all of next week kind of dealing with the ghost of Christmas past, of the hurt that we've caused others. But today, we're going to deal with the ghost of the pain that others have caused us. Now, before we, we jump in to deal with that ghost, I, there's something we want to keep in mind with the pain um, uh, of the past. And that is that when it comes to pain, pain really isn't the problem. Instead, pain is an indicator that there is a problem. Just like with our physical bodies, if we feel some pain, it shows us something's going on. And if we just mask that pain, what's going to happen? The pain is going to come back because we didn't deal with the real problem. And just like with these ghosts of Christmas past, uh, pain isn't the problem. If we just mask that pain just to kind of, you know, get comfortable for a little bit, we didn't deal with the real issue, the pain will come back. And so this may be difficult for many of us, but what we want to do is we want to push past that pain, so to speak, so that we can deal with the real issue and find healing. Now, when it comes to the pain that others have caused us, there's generally two types of, the, of this pain. The first is what I call the minor offenses. These are the things that cause a little bit of hurt. These are the times when someone might cut us off in traffic, or we're, in the, we're at shopping and someone pushes their, their shopping cart into our car door in the parking lot. These are the times when someone doesn't uh, text us back or they don't return our phone call. Maybe they forgot to invite us to the Christmas party and we found out about it. Or maybe we're at the Christmas party and they say something. Maybe they say something about one of our kids or our favorite politician. And we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. That crossed the line. And what was said, it stings a little bit. I mean, it, it, it hurts, and, and, and those are the minor offenses. And if we don't deal with the minor offenses, they can become big offenses. Now, the second type of, of pain that others cause us is what I call the significant wounds. And these can come up around Christmas time, and we remember these around Christmas time. Ultimately, these are the times of a betrayal or a broken promise or someone lied to us or they lied about us, or maybe there's been years in our family with this painful dysfunction. Maybe there's been some abuse. And it's just this significant pain. And what makes this even more painful is that it was done to us. We didn't have a choice in the matter. This other person, they hurt us, and it has impacted us. And what's important is if we don't deal with it, that pain can actually sink deeper and deeper and deeper inside of us. It can sink inside our heart, and it could actually cause this anger and this bitterness to grow. And if we don't deal with this pain, what happens is we carry this pain into every single interaction and to every single relationship that we have. 
And some of us have experienced this. Some of us have experienced families divided because we didn't deal with pain that others have caused us. Others of us, we've lost relationships or we've lost friendships because we didn't deal with the hurt that others have caused us. And so, how do we deal with a pain like that? How do we deal with the hurt that others have caused us? If you have a Bible with you, I want to encourage you to turn to Proverbs chapter 19. If uh, you're new to the Bible, the Bible is actually broken into these two chunks. And these two chunks are actually centered around what we're going to celebrate in a couple weeks, which is Christmas. Uh, the, the first chunk is known as this Old Testament. It, it, it describes everything that has happened before Christmas. And then the second chunk is called the New Testament. And it describes what happens at Christmas, which is the birth of Jesus. And it describes the life of Jesus and then everything after and so Proverbs is actually found in the first chunk, the Old Testament. It was written hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, and it's known as this book as a collection of wise sayings. Back then, it had many authors, and these authors were known for being some of the wisest people who lived back then. It was written by kings and government officials, and they just offer all of these insights into life. And one of these authors, he, he puts this insight in regards to, to pain that others cause us. Here's what the author writes. He says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory, or think you're better off if you do this. You're better off to overlook an offense. And this is the hurt that others have caused us. This is the pain from someone else. The author says, you are better off if you overlook the hurt that someone caused you. No, the author is not saying, hey, just pretend that it didn't happen. The author is not saying, hey, just sweep it under the rug, ignore it altogether. But he says, I want you to overlook the offense or acknowledge that it already happened. In fact, the word that he used literally means to pass over. And I think the best way to kind of get at the heart of what this author is describing is to look at a quote that a famous philosopher, Rene Descartes, wrote a long time ago. When he said, whenever anyone has offended me, I try to raise my soul so high that the offense cannot reach it. That whenever someone has hurt me, if that hurt is right here, I want to raise my soul so high to this place where, where this offense, it cannot reach it, it cannot sink deep inside of me, it cannot impact my heart, and I would not bring it into other uh, relationships. I would not allow this to grow my anger and to grow my bitterness. Whenever someone has offended me, I want my soul to be up here so that I can overlook and pass over this offense. It's this conscious effort to let it go so that this offense does not sink deep inside of us. Now, we might wonder, well, how do you do that? How do you overlook an offense just like that? Well, we'll start with the smaller offenses, and then we'll move on to the bigger ones. So starting with the small, the times that someone seems unkind or uncaring or inattentive, or, or, or they just kind of seem to ignore you altogether. You know, they cut you off in traffic. They don't return the text. Or maybe you're at work, and you open the door for someone, and they just kind of walk right by you. They don't acknowledge you or, or say hi or say thank you at all. They just kind of like, you know, just keep on brushing by, and, and, and it hurts. And the reason why we want to deal with these smaller offenses, if we don't deal with them, they can actually become much bigger problems. And so uh, one of the early church leaders, a guy named Paul, 
He helped many, many people uh, follow Jesus and led many churches. He wrote letters uh, to the first followers of Jesus. And in one of his letters, he acknowledges these small offenses. And here's what he writes. He says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And here, he's reminding followers of Jesus of one of the greatest callings that Jesus put on their lives. And that is before Jesus was arrested and killed, Jesus said to his followers, here's what I want you to do. Love one another as I have loved you. That's our greatest calling. Love one another as I have loved you. And so Paul is reminding his readers about this calling. He says, here's one way you can love one another as God loved us. Make room and make space for each other's faults because we all have faults. How many of us know someone who's perfect? That's what I thought. None of us are perfect, and we will never meet a perfect person. Everyone is going to have faults, which means everyone has the capacity to hurt us. And so Paul reminds us one of the ways that we love one another is we just make space for the fact that others, they have faults, and they are going to offend us, and they are going to hurt us. Now, one of the best ways that I've been taught to make room and make space for each other's faults is to remind myself that uh, the way that that other person may treat you, it may not be about you. That person's behavior towards you may not be based on you. The fact that they cut you off in traffic, the fact that they're just bad drivers, it was not their attempt to ruin your day. The fact that that person uh, didn't text you back I mean, there's a good chance they didn't think, you know what, I'm just going to let them sit on it for a little while, you know, and just kind of like, you know, ignore them altogether. I mean, there's a good chance they didn't hear it, they didn't see it, uh, uh, maybe they forgot about it, maybe they were driving and they shouldn't be texting anyways, you know, and so uh, uh, that might be why. Maybe that person who who, uh, just kind of like brushed by you in the office, maybe they were so consumed with the stress and the busyness of their day that they just kind of completely ignored you altogether. Their behavior it might not be based on you. Several years ago, I was an assistant uh, um, a store manager at a, at a video rental store that kind of helped put me through college. And I know I just dated myself there, you know, like, but they, they did exist. And, uh, and uh, so I, I got through college uh, with that. And there was one time I, you know, I was taught to like check uh, customers out. And as you check customers out, we were encouraged to offer two other uh, points of sale to help hopefully increase the sales. So like offer snacks and candy and other uh, movies. And so this one time, this one lady comes up to me and she just sort of like throws these DVDs at me. I'm like, okay. And so I I start checking them out and I I make my first offer and I'm like, hey, would you be interested in in some snacks or some soda, you know, as you enjoy uh, these movies? And she just quickly yells at me, no. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, and so, uh, and so I, I, I continue the transaction. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make my other offer just very, very general, you know, try to get this quick. And so I just kind of ask her, I'm like, hey, would this be all for you today, ma'am? And she just yells again, well, what do you think? And I'm like, you don't want to know what I'm thinking right now. Like, <laughs> like I'm not going to answer that question. And she just kind of yells at me, and so I finish the transaction, I start getting the change, and I start getting ready to hand her, and she just yells again at me. She's like, would you hurry up? I have to go to chemo. And I looked up, and I saw a tear just coming down her eye. And I realized, 
she wasn't yelling at me based on my service or, or what was going on there. She's gotten something far bigger going on. And she's going to go in for another treatment for something that she's been dealing with for who knows how long. Felt horrible uh, just seeing her walk out. And I was reminded of what Paul says here to make room and to make allowance as followers of Jesus. When someone offends us with these minor offenses, it can be a reminder to care for them, maybe to help them or pray for them because their behavior might not be based on you. So those are the smaller offenses. But what about those significant wounds? What about the bigger ones that just tend to creep up again around Christmas time? They're really those ghosts of Christmas past. What about the times of betrayal, the lies, the broken promises, or the abuse? What do we do about those significant wounds? And I think at times, when, when it comes uh, to those types of hurt, we, we really have two options. The first option is we can just replay that hurt in our mind. And we can go back to that event, that memory, and we just play it over and over and over and over again in our mind. In fact, I think for most of us, this is our default option, and we just kind of go back to that, and we just replay the event over, and we start saying things like, well, what if that person wasn't there, or what if he didn't say that, or what if she didn't do that? And we just kind of go back and we remember the hurt that it caused us or maybe even the hurt that it caused someone we love and we just play it over and over and over and over again. And as we do this, here's what happens. Our anger and our bitterness, it grows inside of us. And we carry that with us and we carry that into every interaction that we have. But what if there's a second option? What if there's a better option? What if we could forgive it. And we might naturally push back against it, like, whoa, 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 whoa. I couldn't possibly let that person off the hook. I couldn't possibly forgive them for what they did. I mean, they caused me so much pain. They caused that person I love. They caused them so much hurt. I mean, how could I let them go by forgiving? I mean, how could I possibly forgive them for that? Well, in another letter that uh, uh, Paul wrote to other followers of Jesus, he knew the hurt that they were going through. Because these uh, Jesus followers, they were experiencing a tremendous amount of pain at the hands of others. Many were kidnapped. Many lost their jobs. Some even lost their lives simply because of their faith in Jesus and, and what uh, th these other people were doing to them. And so Paul knew what was going on, and he knew about this hurt, and he addresses it in this letter. He says to them, hey, make allowance for each other's faults. He's, he's reminding them again of the minor offenses. And then he moves on to these significant wounds. And he says, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you, you must forgive others. And we might wonder, well, how could I possibly forgive that person uh, who, who, who hurt me or hurt that one I love? I mean, how, how can I forgive that person? And according to Paul, Paul says, here's how. You forgive as God has forgiven you. And I don't know about you. I can't, I can't speak for anyone else except for myself. But I've been forgiven of a lot. If I look at the accumulation of my life and all the years that I've lived and all the times that I've lied, all the times that I've talked bad about others, all the times that I've talked bad to others, 
all the times that I've taken advantage of others or manipulated others to get my way and not go for what was best for them, I've been forgiven of a lot. And according to Paul, when it comes to others who have hurt me, the way that I should forgive them is the way that God has forgiven me. And honestly, I, I've heard a passage like this, and, and I've honestly, I've taught on passages like this for, for several years, and I've kind of imagined this as sort of like, I call it the guilt transaction, so, so to speak. Like, if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, and if I'm going to accept God's offer for forgiveness, which is so great, there's kind of like this guilt clause, where like, now I have to go and take the forgiveness that I was quick to receive and extend that to other people. Like, okay, now I'm going to go ahead, I have to forgive this person, and, that's, and I tell other people, you have to forgive them. If you were quick to receive forgiveness, you have to go and forgive that person. And it's kind of like guilting myself and guilting others into forgiving others. But honestly, that isn't forgiveness. And if I can be real personal for a moment, uh, earlier this summer, I had a good friend of mine come up to me and he said, hey, Tyler, I'm, I'm a little uh, concerned about you. And he's like, Tyler, um, it seems like you are emotionally distant, or he also used the word clogged when it comes to your interaction with other people. And he's like, I think it's impacting your relationships. And I got mad. I'm like, well, I'm not emotional, so I'm, I'm not going to worry about emotions because I'm, I'm just not emotional. And he's like, no, Tyler, he's like, I think something's going on, and I think it's impacting uh, some relationships. I think you may need to talk to someone about this. And so I reluctantly called um, a Christian counselor, and uh, I ended up seeing uh, this counselor uh, about once a week uh, for several weeks over the summer. And I just began to talk to him about kind of like this emotional distance, because I got honest, and I realized, like, yeah, I wasn't really experiencing or processing, processing emotions uh, like others how I know. And so we kind of began to talk about that, and we looked at my past and talked about my past and talked about current relationships and things that have happened over the last uh, several years. And uh, what we began to discover was that I was uh, holding many people kind of like emotionally at arm's length. I wasn't letting others uh, get emotionally close to me. And as a result, a lot of my friendships were actually starting to fizzle out and, 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 and fall apart. And so what we began to discover is we're kind of unpacking that. What we were discovering was that the reason why I wasn't letting others come close to me emotionally was that I didn't want to experience any more pain because I hadn't dealt with the pain of my past. And so we were kind of like opening up the hood, so to speak, and kind of spending some time talking about several years and, and looking at the pain that was going on there. And this whole idea of forgiveness came up. And as we were talking about this, I kind of just said out loud to this counselor, and I said, hey, I know I should forgive, and there's a big part of me that wants to, but if I gotta be real honest right now, I'm not sure I know how to do that. And he said, Tyler, that, that's a great question. And he's, and he's like, you know what? Here's the step that, that I want to encourage you to take. And it was so helpful for me. It's just been etched in my mind since he said this. And I think this will be helpful for many of us as we deal with our ghosts of Christmas past. He said, Tyler, here's the step I want you to take. I want you to grieve the past that you didn't have. I want you to look back all the way back and just grieve what didn't happen? Now I looked at him, and I'm like, I'm not a smart guy. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> and uh, and he, he, he's like, no, oh, that's great. He's like, that, that, that's fine. He's like, you know, there's a couple steps into this process. And he walked me through this, 
And it was so helpful for me to kind of move through this that I'd encourage you to take these steps that he encouraged me to do. He said the first step you want to do is you want to identify what you wanted. Want to look back into the past and just kind of list out what was it that you wanted to have happen and it didn't happen. Or what was it that happened that you wish didn't happen? And he's like, just, just identify it and list it out and just say, this is exactly what I wanted to have happen back then. Now, listing it out and identifying, it's not going to change the fact that it happened or didn't happen, but you at least acknowledge that this is what you wished would have happened for anyway. So you identify what that was. For me, I was like, here's what I wanted. I want a memory of my parents together. I just, I just wanted that. And I realized it's not going to happen, but I identified that there. He's like, okay, now that you identify it, you can move to the second step. And this is a mental exercise to counsel those involved, meaning to kind of mentally go back into that stage. And what he said, he's like, Tyler, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take everything that you know now and kind of mentally go back then and use that to kind of counsel and advise those who were involved with that event uh, uh, back then. And so, for example, he's like, I want you to think about two people, the one who was involved with the hurt and the one who was hurt. And so he's like, let's start with those who were involved with the hurt. For, for my case, it was my parents. And he's like, I want you to take what you know now, and what would you advise them back then uh, to do? How would you have counseled them? And it was during that time where I began to realize something that I've never realized before. And that was I didn't understand their situation. I never thought through things from their point of view. And I began to kind of understand what was going on, their circumstance, the timing, the stress they're going through. It allowed me to have empathy for them for the very first time. And then he's like, I want you to do the same thing for yourself as a child back then. If you could go back and know what you know now, what would you have told yourself back then? And I would said I'd want him to communicate. I'd want him to process emotions. I'd want him to, to deal with that then. And what happens is you kind of go through this mental exercise. It doesn't change anything. But what it begins to do is it allows you to process things differently. It begins to lessen the pain. And then he says, I want you to take what you identify and what you counsel and then allow it to drive future decisions. He's like, based on what you identified and based on what you experienced, how does that impact your future decisions? And he asked me, he's like, how does this impact how you approach your marriage? How does this impact how you spend time with your kids? How does this impact how you lead or serve those around you? And it allowed me to begin to make these different types of decisions. And so for you, based on what you identified and how you counseled, how will this drive your future decisions? Because you can take what happened in the past, and this is where we really use the pain of the past to help us move forward in the future. And as I began going through this process, I began to discover why Paul wrote what he wrote. And I began to discover why God wants us to forgive others as he's forgiven us. It's not because he wants to guilt us into it. It's because he wants what's best for us. And ultimately, forgiveness is what's best for us because it's forgiveness that brings healing. It's forgiveness that allows us to overcome that offense. Ultimately, this is the story of Christmas. Because at Christmas time, we, we broke our relationship with God with our sin. And God saw that. And he sent his son Jesus to be born, to live among us, to die and rise again, so that he could pay for our sin and forgive us of our sin, so that our relationship with God could be restored, so that we could have a healthy relationship with him again. And so as we head into this Christmas time, may we not just fill it up so full of these painful memories and moments 
that we miss out on the season altogether. But may we deal with these ghosts of Christmas past, overlook the minor offenses, and forgive the significant wounds so that we can experience healing and joy this Christmas season, that we may ultimately use the pain of our past to move forward in the future. Let me pray for us. God, uh, this uh, can be a very difficult uh, topic to talk about. It is very difficult, but God, it's even more difficult uh, to, to extend and to do because the pain is so real. And God, for many of us, the pain is just cut deep, and it's hurt. And, and so God, we just pray that we may follow your lead and follow your example of extending forgiveness And God, may you bring about the health in us that you want for each and every single one of us. God, would you just heal us of these moments and of these wounds? So God, be with us and help us just overlook these offenses and forgive the significant ones. Father, may we forgive as you have forgiven us. And we thank you for that example of Jesus in which we'll celebrate in just a few weeks. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.